This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. For those who don't know me, um, my name is Fiona and it's lovely to see um, lots of new faces um, this morning Um, and I guess just thinking about that, you know, I hope that you have felt welcome this morning. Um, I hope that um, you've realised that we don't really take ourselves too seriously here in Stirling Vineyard. (laughs) We like to whoop, we like our kids running around, Um, most of those who lead um, within the, uh, the church at the front have children so it's normal that they are here um, and yeah I, I really do hope that um, you felt part of something this morning um, just to kind of echo what Becca was saying about our community Sunday you know um, we are in one hand a small church um, but we were planted with a vision and you can see it on the banner there encountering Jesus serving our city taking God's presence as we go And that's what our heart is. That's the whole purpose of next week. Our doors are closed, our building is shut, but we just encourage you just to get out into your city, into your communities, um, you know, whatever that looks like. We'd love you to join in with the groups that we're organising. There's a couple of prayer walks. There's obviously the, the gift bags going out. There's a litter pick. Um, but if you have an, another idea of how you can meet the need of someone or people in your area, you know, go for it. You know, we just want to love people, we want to bless people, but most importantly, we want to serve and we want to see God's presence here in Stirling. It's for his kingdom that we're doing this, Um, and I just wanted to encourage you um, this morning about that. Also, like, thinking about that song, God of Revival, how amazing is it that we're just seeing an outpouring of God, an outpouring of his spirit, you know, in places like America and the student campus. One of our prayer groups is hoping to head up to the uni as well. Um, so again, if you are passionate about what you've been seeing, uh, if you want to see our students lifted up uh, and encouraged and, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, as voices on campus, then again, we would just encourage you to get involved in the prayer group there. We'd love to see uh, what God's got in store for our students. Um, so we're back to exploring Daniel this morning. Uh, we've taken a week or two off, um, but uh, I am going to be picking up the story in chapter six, um, which is probably more famously known as Daniel in the Lion's Den. Um, a couple of weeks ago, Ali recounted um, chapter four, which together with chapter five are a pair of stories about two Babylonian kings, the father, Nebuchadnezzar, and his son, Belshazzar. Both men are filled with pride because of their imperial power. And so, like in chapter 2, God warns them both through dreams and visions, which also, like chapter 2, only Daniel can interpret. He says that both kings are are to humble themselves before God, and both kings arrogantly resist. So as Ali described, Nebuchadnezzar is stricken with madness. He becomes like a beast in the field, but then he humbles himself before God. And his humanity returns to him. He's restored as king. And this is in contrast with his son, Belshazzar, who doesn't humble himself before God, and he's assassinated that very night. 
And we're only scratching the surface here and we're going to actually skip ahead of the um, drunken bloodstained accounts in chapter 5. Uh, you can read that in your own time. Um, but both stories draw imagery from Genesis 1 and 2 and Psalm 8. And I'm just going to read from Psalm 8 just now. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them, yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honour? You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Humans are depicted as the royal image of God, and God has given them authority to rule over the beasts in the field, the birds of the air, on behalf of God, who is the world's true king. But when human kingdoms forget that, when they rebel and make themselves and their power into a God, they become less than human, like violent beasts who face God's justice. And we've seen this already within Daniel. And I love how the stories in the first half of Daniel fit together. The stories of faithfulness, faithfulness despite persecution, you know, these are uh, meant to provide hope to God's suffering people among the nations. But they suffer because human kingdoms have rebelled against God and become beasts. And so the visions uh, that come later also encourage patience that God's people are to wait for him. And this brings us to chapter 6, uh, the pairing of chapter 3. And this time it's Daniel who's being persecuted because he refuses to pray and worship the king as a god. And so, like his friends, he's sentenced to death and he's thrown into a lion's den. But God delivers him from the beasts, and like the friends, the king exalts Daniel and praises his God. Now, the story of Daniel and the lion's den is probably one of the, the most well-known um, biblical stories. Like the fiery furnace, we all seem to have learned the story as children. Um, and when creating the kids' uh, church lessons, you know, it's easy to get sucked into the lion-themed games and crafts. Um, the resources for kids' church often have pictures of big smiling lions, which I think might be up there, yeah. Don't worry, I've not used any of these in the, the minis lessons today. Um, but yeah, we see these kind of happy, smiley, big kind of lions. But we're talking about a 250 kilogram predator loaded with muscle and power to kill. You know, it's hardly a children's story. Lions can open their mouths nearly a foot. Their long teeth can puncture skulls. They have a bite force five times stronger than humans. They can jump over three times further. Pretty wild. We also tend to focus quite a lot on the lions, um, but actually they're somewhat minor to the story. Yes, this is a story on one level about survival, but diving deeper, it's a story of faithfulness in the face of great adversity. Whether the fiery furnace or the lion's den, it's a call to faithfulness. And it's seen as we move through this final chapter um, in the first half of the book. So we're going to spend some time reading through chapter 6 together. Um, so if you've got a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, um, we're going to split it into three main sections, um, which I've summarized as work, worship, and wonder. So first of all, what does it mean to invite God into our work? 
What does our worship look like? And does God inspire our wonder? So if you've got your Bible handy, I'm just going to read uh, Daniel chapter 6, just verses 1 to 9 to begin with. It might come up on the screen as well. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticise or condemn. He was faithful, always responsible and completely trustworthy. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement, we administrators, officials, high officers, advisors and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed, an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. At this point in the story, Daniel has been serving the king of, kings of Babylon for over 65 years. And one of the things I find particularly striking about this story is Daniel's dedication to his work. Despite living in exile and working with people who continually excluded him throughout his life. It would have been easy for Daniel to choose a life of bitterness and resentment towards the kings of Babylon, given their horrendous treatment of their subjects. But Daniel is recorded as being someone who distinguished himself among the administrative staff. The Bible is full of references encouraging us to be light in dark places. And in Colossians 3, 23 to 24, Paul calls us to work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Christ. Since creation, God has given us work to do. But do we regard our work as an act of worship or service to God? It makes me think of how well I represent God to my employers. As many of you know, um, I'm a teacher um, and I've recently returned to work after maternity leave. Um, and the last six weeks have been some of the hardest weeks <laughs> um, of my life. On a personal level, balancing parenting a toddler and a baby is full on. Um, but with a lengthy commute and feeling quite let down, I'm very let down, by a lack of support from management, it's led me to a pretty dark and lonely place. Like Daniel, I enjoy working hard and I do, I strive for excellence in all my tasks, um, which is maybe another <laughs> um, downfall. But recently I've found myself complaining more than appreciating, resenting rather than reflecting. 
So in spending time in chapter 6 this week, I'm challenged by the lessons from Daniel's life and his example of using the gifts that God has given him to bring glory to God. Not to mention turning problems into opportunities for discipleship. Daniel was working with those who did not believe in his God, but he worked efficiently and capably, attracting the attention of the king and earning a place of respect. Daniel is recorded here as being someone who's so distinguished among the administrators and satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king then planned to set him over the whole kingdom. He was a man in whom no one could find corruption because he was trustworthy despite the culture around him. Daniel did his work daily with dependence on God, praying three times a day and acknowledging God in every tough issue he faced. He epitomized the call Jesus would later give in Matthew 5 to be salt and light in our workplaces. And even Daniel's enemies had to admit in verse 5, we would never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it's something to do with the law of his God. So this, was also, um, this also meant that Daniel was able to confront difficult situations with truth and actually bring about change as well. This happens several times when Daniel and his friends take a stand and it leads to a new decree actually being issued by the king. Daniel's success in bringing about change demonstrates that God cares about the everyday issues of governance in a broken society. We too can be light in dark places. Office jobs, hospitality, service industry, university, parenting, whatever your role is, can we offer our work as worship to the Lord? as Daniel did, and also ask ourselves, whose kingdom are we building? Daniel excelled in his occupation working on behalf of the world's kingdoms, and he maintained his integrity as a citizen of God's kingdom. Your work could involve challenging unjust systems, showing kindness to colleagues in a place where people are constantly pulling them down, or maybe it's just delighting in your work. And I guess my challenge this morning is to take time to chat to God today about how your work can be an act of worship to him. Let's pick up the story again from verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open towards Jerusalem he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown in the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. 
So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and seals of nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. So this brings me into my second point I wanted to share this morning. Um, and it's what does our worship look like? Daniel exemplifies what it means to live a life in which worship is the highest priority. He didn't wait for trouble before developing habits of everyday worship. And even in persecution, Daniel still felt that worshiping and praying to God was worth the risk of losing his life. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God, just as he'd done before. The possibility of losing life didn't deter him from worshipping God. And similarly, there are, there are the millions of Christians around the world today who are persecuted for their faith, and yet, against overwhelming challenges, believe that worshipping God is worth the risk to the lives and lives of their families. And in the case of Daniel, worship of God was transformational along multiple levels because it kept his eyes on the right thing, or in this case, person, and it meant that he was able to survive in a hostile environment because he dedicated this time to worshipping God. Daniel's witness at work also led to King Darius's worship of God. Daniel used his intellect and management skills, and in doing so, when he was promoted to a high position in Babylon, his faith became visible to the most important person in that region. And God used Daniel to reveal himself to King Darius. Now, King Darius was an effective government administrator, but like many before him, he had a fatal flaw, pride. By appealing to his vanity, the men talked Darius into signing a law, effectively making himself a god for 30 days once signed. And not even the king could change it. The king liked Daniel, and he was clearly distressed when he realises that the satraps have him cornered. In verse 14, it states that the king was deeply troubled, and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel, spending the rest of the day looking for a way to get him out of this predicament. Darius had faith, and it was faith born out of Daniel's trust in the Lord. The idea was, I, I tried my best to save you, Daniel, but I failed. Now it's up to your God. As he signs off with the well-known line, may your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. And what really resonates with me from these verses is Darius's apparent evening of fasting and intercession. He refused to eat, he refused the evening entertainment, and he was unable to sleep. And the Bible's filled with accounts of men and women fasting as a means of earnest intercession. I love this challenge of intercessory prayer. To remove our own agendas and cry out for the Holy Spirit to take charge of a situation for which we're interceding for. To recognize that God's ways are greater than our own. And this leads me to my final point and to consider the question, does God inspire our wonder? In the last part of the story, just from verse 19, it reads, 
very early in the morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. My God sent his angel to shut the lions' mouths so that they would not hurt me, for I've been found innocent in his sight, and I've not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den, not a scratch found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown in the lion's den, along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. God sent his angel to keep Daniel safe from the lions during the night. When morning came, King Darius found that Daniel had spent a comfortable night, of somewhat, <laughs> surrounded by ferocious lions, while Darius himself had been unable to sleep despite royal luxury. The king was amazed to see Daniel okay. And even more amazed when Daniel told him that the angel, an angel of the Lord, came and prevented the lions from harming him by shutting their mouths. God rescued Daniel from the lions and showed once again that he was in control of the situation. Nebuchadnezzar had come to believe that Israel's God was real because of the faithfulness of Daniel and his friends. And here Darius too was convinced of God's power because Daniel was faithful and God rescued him. And what a powerful statement that King Darius ends with. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Amen. <laughs> Earlier in the week, um, Ali and I, we took the kids to Glasgow Science Centre. Cooper is at an age of fascination and asking questions. Uh, and we've been laughing at recent quotes from his online um, nursery learning journal about him exclaiming, oh yes, science, whenever he's worked anything out, figured out how something works. Um, after a space-themed Christmas, which again has prompted many questions, um, we thought we'd try out the planetarium. Now, I don't know about you, but as soon as I start thinking, or in this case, seeing, <laughs> you might be able to see a wee picture of us there actually, uh, in the planetarium. As soon as I'm in that environment where I start thinking about space or seeing stars, I don't know if you've ever been out on a clear night and seen just the vastness of, of space, it just confirms to me um, how awesome God is. So my last kind of question um, to think about is, you know, does God inspire your wonder? God turns wanderers into worshippers. And through the story in Daniel, I hope that there's a call to worship, an invitation to know and be known by the God of all creation. Some of you might be aware of Louis Giglio, who um, is an author and um, pastor. Uh, he's done some of the uh, kind of well-known videos, kind of indescribable or how great is our God. Um, and he discusses how modern science allows us to see further into space than ever before. So I've been kind of pondering on this, you know, since our visit to the Science Centre. But he believes that every step um, draws us closer to God, who breathed uh, each star 
into existence. Louis Giglio says, I want to see how big God is. And the main way to do that is by looking up. The scriptures say in this way, the heavens are telling the glory of God and their expanse declares the works of his hands. In other words, all you have to do to get an idea of how big God is, is walk outside on a dark night, look up to the starry host and wonder, what in the world is this God that, like, that created this universe? Instead of giving up or giving in, the courageous Daniel held fast his faith in his God. God knew that despite the circumstances, God was sovereign. Sorry, Daniel knew that despite the circumstances, God was sovereign and was working out his plan for nations and individuals. And it's all centered around this profound truth, the sovereignty of God. So I thought we could just stand together just now as we move into a time of ministry. And I really believe that God has been speaking around these three areas. So why don't we stand if you're able to? I was going to invite Katie um, just to kind of play in the background just now, but I really believe that that these kind of three questions are really relevant for people in this room this morning. The first question was, what does it mean to invite God into your work? And how might your work look like an act of worship? So I'm just going to pray that just now. God, we just ask you to come and meet us in this place, Lord. Holy Spirit, you're so welcome here. We just ask for more. God, we just thank you for the reminder of our role in our workplaces or in our families or whatever our, our job looks like. Lord, would we be like Daniel? And we, would we carry out these duties as an act of worship? God, I pray for the person or the people who are standing here just now thinking how they can push more in, Lord, to their work, to revealing you to their colleagues, to their friends, to their bosses, God, I just pray for those who are going to take a stand, Lord, to be the light in the dark place. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that in how they act and how they work and how they speak and how they love people, Lord, that you would be glorified. And secondly, Daniel was able to survive in a hostile environment because he dedicated time to worshipping God. What does your worship look like? Are you committing to daily prayer? So God, I just pray that over just people just now, Lord. You know where we're at. You know where you meet us, Lord, in the quiet places and in the open spaces, Lord. Would we take time just now, Lord, just to evaluate our worship, our prayer life, our time with you, Lord. God, we just pray that through our worship, Lord, that you would be revealed to others. 
that you would fill our hearts with love, that as we step out, Lord, as an act of worship to meet with people, to speak to people, to, to spend time, God, with people, that you would be revealed, Lord. You know, Hannah put a call out last week on worshipers, Lord. And we just pray that you are doing something, you're stirring something, Lord. Give people words and voices. And finally, does God inspire your wonder? Do you accept the invitation to know and be known by the God of all creation? And I just pray that over everyone just now, that you would know the sovereign God. You would know the God of creation. The same God who put the stars and the galaxies and the planets in space knows you, knows who you are intimately, and he loves you. And so, God, I just pray that you would provide opportunities this week, Lord, for us to experience your wonder in new ways, in fresh ways, Lord. Would our wondering make us worshippers, Lord? Would we just, rev just revel in your glory, Lord? And I just pray for people just now, would you just pour out your spirit, Lord, on people and give them a heart of worship, a heart of wonder to see you, Lord, to see the bigger picture, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to the Stirling Vineyard Sunday podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church. <laughs>